from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. My name is John Small, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And as always, delighted to be joined by my partner in crime, Nick Golan. Nick is the editor-in-chief of Marijuana Retail Report and our man on the ground. He has the enviable job of checking out every dispensary opening in the country. (laughs) Well, not everyone, but certainly a lot of them. And he's been busy lately. And Nick recently went to a new dispensary opening of Planet 13 in the um, Orange County area, Santa Ana, right, Nick? That's correct, yeah. In Santa Ana. Now, if you're not familiar with Planet 13, they run the largest dispensary in the world, just in terms of the size, the sheer size of this building in Las Vegas. And now they've opened another shop in Orange County. And Nick was there for the opening and had the pleasure of interviewing Larry Scheffler. He is the co-founder of Planet 13. Nick, tell us what we can expect from this interview with Larry. Yeah. So, I mean, Larry Scheffler, uh, just an amazing guy, somebody that came from traditional job industry. He was a real estate guy. He worked in the printing industry and he saw an opportunity in cannabis when Nevada went medical and him and his co-founder, Bob Grosbeck, they have created the ultimate cannabis experience in Las Vegas. And they finally made their first MSO move now into Southern California to bring that type of experience uh, down here to the LA region. And if you have not been to their Las Vegas location, it is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a mall. It's a mall. It's a mall. I've never seen anything like it. They want to bring this to Southern California, the exact same experience. And so, yeah, they, they open to the public on July 1st. It's going to be the second largest dispensary in the world, only second to their own dispensary in Las Vegas. And that's going to be an expansive project that's going to be built out uh, throughout 2021 and 2022 in order to achieve that. So does size matter? Is bigger better? What was your impression of the space? Well, I mean, when it comes to Planet 13 Las Vegas, again, with Planet 13 Orange County, it's not the second largest dispensary in the world yet. They have the ability to expand out to that. That is their goal for this year. But no, my experience is, you know, at least in that Las Vegas location, bigger is better. And we talked with Larry about that idea, you know, is this idea of having this mall type experience the right way to go with cannabis retail? And again, when you're looking at most dispensaries, they kind of do a churn and burn model. They want customers in, they want customers out. These guys are taking a new approach in doing the all day model. They want somebody to come in, order a coffee and sit in their in their dispensary all day. Wow. I love the idea of a cannabis mall. I just want to hang out in that mall all day, watch a movie, get a smoothie. Have a dab. <laughs> oh, and I mean, they're, if you look at their Las Vegas location, they're adding a nightclub. That's crazy. And social use lounge, which, I mean, yeah, they want you there 24 hours a day. Yeah, if you they want to keep you there. Well, that makes a lot of sense because it's actually difficult to smoke cannabis in Vegas. You're not allowed to smoke it in your room and the hotels. So uh, this gives you a place to go. All right. Without further ado, I bring you Nick's fascinating conversation with Larry Scheffler. Larry, really appreciate your time coming on the podcast today. Not a problem. Happy to be here. Well, I just want to start out by saying it is very rare in cannabis to see, you know, two people such as yourself and Bob, you know, in the way that you guys kind of get along, you know, seeing seeing the smiles on your faces every single time I see you guys together. You guys are laughing. You guys are friends. Can you kind of talk about 
how you guys got introduced and how this kind of friendship was formed? Yeah, I was on the uh, Henderson City Council, city of Henderson, for about three years, and Bob became mayor. And uh, we really actually fought for a little bit first because I was the old guard. He was the new guard. I keep saying that, uh, you know, when he first got elected, he he asked me if I could uh, mentor him and help him learn a few things. Of course, that's my side of the story. But anyway, after we after about a year of uh, a little tussle a little bit, we realized we liked each other. He since has been my attorney for 30 years and been a real estate investor with me on different ventures I've done for the past 30 years also. He then, uh, as, as an attorney lobbyist, he was at a county commission meeting, heard about medical marijuana, uh, didn't realize it was going to uh, be legalized, and he called me, and it's like uh, the chance of a lifetime, five lifetimes. Don't we wish we were all around when gaming was regulated, legalized in 1931? Prohibition, you know, came about, uh, ended. Uh, so we thought this is the last of the sins that's going to be going legal, and uh, we needed to get in. Uh, unfortunately, we probably had more, more guts than brains at the time, but. Uh, we decided to jump in with both feet, not realizing that medical alone, you uh, it's a real tough battle until it goes recreational. Thank God ours went recreational within a year, which really, really helped us. Well, and the Nevada market has been very, very tough in and of itself. Obviously, you guys had the social use kind of clause that got revised and finally passed and signed by the governor earlier this month. When you're looking at the Nevada market versus the California market, kind of how does that differentiate and and what was the impetus to finally move into the Golden State? What we look for is a certain parameter. So we need uh, location, 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 of course. We need enough parking, good access, visibility, a size, the right city without Los Angeles, over 400 dispensaries versus 30 in Santa Ana and the only 30 in Orange County. So we looked from San Jose to San Diego for about a year, almost ready to give up until we found the San Ana location. And we knew right away we had struck gold and had found a fantastic location. Still want, you know, the tourism because we're big with the super show with tourism. And Orange County, of course, still gets 50 million visitors a year down there. And of course, Las Vegas gets 55 million visitors a year. So everything fell into the parameters we looked, we looked for for a super store. Well, and I was going to bring that tourism market up. I mean, you guys are very close to Disneyland. You guys are about an hour south of L.A. proper. Bringing it back to the first time that you decided that you wanted to enter into this venture and you were making the branding with Bob, Planet 13 is such a unique name and such a unique title. And you guys have such great branding. What does Planet 13 exactly mean? Well, I was a I graduated from high school in a little town called Barnesville, Minnesota, 50 miles east of Fargo, North Dakota. I was ready to go in the Air Force in a few months, working at a gas station. And a friend of mine came from California with a couple of joints. You know, it was pretty new then, especially in that area of Minnesota. So he's wanting to know if you want to buy one. So, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll try one. It gives you a little sticker with a 13 on it and a circle around it. I go, what's that for? Well, he said uh, back then to put out your dad's station wagon or your car if you got one. And it's like a secret message that tells you all oh, your friends just smoke marijuana. I said, what does that have to do with marijuana? 13. He says, the 13th letter of the alphabet is the M. Oh, okay. So we put it on the car, you know, and you'd be driving down the road to go, hey, Bobby Anderson, look, I didn't know he smoked. Hey, look, Jimmy Johnson smokes too. Look at that, that sicker on his car. So the, the parents didn't know, all the kids knew, but I've only, you know, that was way back in the 60s. So uh, I've only seen, met four people all about my age that knew about the word, the number 13. Of course, everything else was 820 from the late 80s when it started. So, well, yeah. And, 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 you know, you got- let me just say, and then so then we wanted to build the largest in the world. 
go for the strip. And so Bob then adds his part. He said, let's call it Planet 13. And that's how we came up with the name. We all both joined our little part for the logo and went ahead. Well, I mean, in, 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 that is an incredible story because when everybody thinks about cannabis, you think 420, you know, 13 is, is so low key. And the ability to put that bumper sticker on your car is it's genius. It's absolutely genius. And I, I, I'm glad that people are now getting to, to hear that, you know, the story behind that branding, because again, you guys do have incredible branding, but it's not just your branding that really solidifies your brand, right? Like the logo, the look, that's half of it. The other half of it for me is the fact that you guys are experiential retail that is focused on keeping the consumer in the store. Like when you're looking at traditional dispensary models, very churn and burn, right? 10 minute max, customer in, customer out. Right. You guys took a different approach. You guys were saying, hey, we want somebody to spend their whole day with us. When you were looking at the model for dispensaries at the time, and you guys were deciding to get into the cannabis industry, what drove you to do that all day model versus what the traditional, you know, the traditional dispensaries were doing at the time? It's probably because Bob and I together have been too long in Las Vegas, over 100 years together. And that's all we really knew. I mean, everything that we've known our whole life is Las Vegas, presentation, entertainment, keeping the customer in the casinos. They want to lose them even to another casino. So we thought it was a natural. We didn't think it was any big thing. This, this is what all of Vegas does. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. So that's kind of how we got started, just from our experience here all the time in Las Vegas. Well, in the experiential build-outs that you have had have been incredible. You have your pizza shop, you have your coffee bistro, you have your CBD store. I mean, it goes on and on. And eventually, you guys are going to be having a social use lounge, as I mentioned earlier, as well as I believe, if I remember from your initial opening, uh, you guys are eventually going to have a nightclub in there, if I remember correctly? Absolutely. A consumption lounge and a nightclub. And it will be state-of-the-art, the largest of its kind in the world when we're done. Probably oh, encompassing with consumption lounge and club about 20,000 square feet. So not a small one by any means. And that in and of itself is incredible. And I don't, I don't know if anybody has really taken that to heart at the scope and the scale of what you guys are doing in Las Vegas. Like when you literally, when you walk into your Las Vegas location, it's no different than walking into a luxury strip mall. I mean, it is gigantic. And so when your guys are trying to figure out what type of experiential stuff that we bring to the table, like I know that you guys were working on robotics in order to have a dueling competition between robots. I know you guys have drones that are currently in operation, kind of flying around aerial demonstrations hour on the hour. When you guys are conceiving things and you want to bring that concept to fruition, can you walk me through the R&D process? Well, again, Bob and I kind of separate what directions we usually go, him being an attorney, uh, he's very good at lobbying the political work. So he starts, leans more to that. I've been uh, in printing and graphics for 43 years. Still have my own printing company. My kids run it now, but uh, become the oldest and largest in the state. Since I lean towards that, I tend to go to the creative and find all these different things. So when Bob figures out the lobbying and what we're going to do, we put our heads together and tells me what's going on. When I see four, five, six, eight different creative things, I bring in Bob and say, which ones do we like the best? And then we together we decide what we like the best. But I lean towards the special effects and Bob is, again, like the, the other ones that we do. Well, it, it, it's absolutely beautiful what you guys have done together creatively. Is there anything, and, and, and I got to ask this just out of curiosity's sake, is there anything that was in your guys' mind conceptually that you guys wanted to do that when you finally put it to paper, you're like, oh my God, this is way beyond what we could possibly do right now. Was there any moonshot concepts that simply didn't make it to the floor? 
No, uh, I think some of the ones we did, uh, people considered a moonshot. Thought, you guys are nuts. I, I don't know what you're doing. We have many uh, tell that to us before we opened it first. I don't get your vision. I don't think it's going to work. Good luck, but I don't see it happening. I don't know where you're going. We, in fact, we had one of the CEOs of the largest cannabis companies in the, in the United States had told us the same thing, just that I don't get it, guys. He then, when he was leaving, he talked to one of our bankers. He said, I'll give them six months. That'll be a Korean barbecue. There's no way they're going to make it. <laughs> so we're thinking of getting a Korean barbecue for him and then inviting him back. And then maybe. <laughs> or, or, I mean, you guys are, you got to have a pizza bistro. You could open up a Korean barbecue expansion yeah. with it. I mean, uh, yeah. I, and, and I, again, I don't think people really realize the scope and the scale of what is, what is available in that Las Vegas location, because even what is available to the consumer currently you guys took us on kind of a behind the scenes tour to, to show your future expansion capabilities. I mean, it's literally twice the size of what you guys are currently utilizing. When you guys are trying to build out spaces that big, how do you convince the retail investors that this is the right thing to do? And clearly you have because you guys are expanding rapidly. Right. No, I, they, I think they, we have their faith. I think they, everybody was a little leery at first. Once we show what's going on, and of course, we were up to about an hour and a half wait time. As we added more guys with uh, bud tenders with uh, uh, iPads and so on on the floor, uh, we still are limited because of the 16,000 square feet. That's why we're doubling to 85 cash registers and literally doubling the size of the floor. After that, I think in, in end of July, that will be open. I think we will then start planning again to make one last expansion. And then we can literally go up to 150 cash registers and double the size again of the whole thing. And I think we'll need it. And then we'll be built out at this site for at least the dispensary part, but not the, no, not the club. I mean, and, and I really encourage people to take a look at the Las Vegas location because numbers alone are, are, are not really indicative of the scope and the scale. I mean, it is massive. And, and when you really look at a lot of dispensaries, I mean, you're figuring lower kind of ceilings, you know, 20, 25 foot. I mean, your space is huge. And when you're trying to do that now as an MSO, your first expansion into Santa Ana, how did you try to bring that type of experiential retail into California? Well, we wanted to uh, actually, what we're calling it Plano 13, uh, Orange County 2.0. So again, not everything is Vegas. We can't think we're going to put what we did here exactly in another city. So we got to blend into the fabric of that community. So California is the L.A. scene, the beach scene. So we had to have something more colorful, more upbeat, a little higher end, which, of course, is what we did down there, as you saw. A little bit more of the, uh, the artsy type thing with the uh, octopus up front. Uh, of course, they used the band with more to look like the L.A., the wave scene as you're walking in the entrance. We'll do that in every city we go to. Every city will be distinct. It will be still an entertainment value and a destination that we create. But everyone will be different 100% from what we're doing. And we try to improve it every time we do it. Well, and, and if, I, if I remember correctly, uh, your original Las Vegas location, you had kind of the outside designed by, uh, if I, again, if I remember correctly, it was somebody related to either EDC or it was related to Burning Man in some, in some way, an artist over there. When you were trying to figure out how to kind of visualize the space here in California, uh, did you take the same approach with artists and things like that and try to figure out, you know, which artist would match the aesthetic that you want to achieve? Yeah, we, we've got a new artist we're pretty impressed with, uh, DJ Ashba, and he actually was the lead guitarist for Guns N' Roses for seven years. He also has a special effects company in Las Vegas. 
So uh, with everything we're showing us and his ideas that we tell him what we wanted, he came up with the with the octopus. So we said the van and he got the design for the van. He did the walls and the floor. So it was, uh, we like to tap into different people's creativeness. Otherwise, they, I, I tend to get stale a little bit. But going back to the uh, flowers up on top, they're called lotus flowers on top of the uh, Planet 13 in Las Vegas. We saw the picture from Burning Man as a resemblance of something like that. Then we did a, uh, a search out of a group in Wisconsin for about eight different guys that matched what we wanted. The uh, one gentleman was from uh, L.A. It was the closest to us, very creative. So we went with him to then create that himself. He did all the molding and creating based on what we wanted to do. Well, and and I do want to touch on the bus in the opening uh, of Planet 13 because Orange County, because when you look at your Las Vegas location, you see the giant touchscreen LED floors, you know, with the koi pond and all that beauty, which you translated into the Orange County location with, again, like you said, the waterfall and then the beach scene with the touch uh, pad so you can see your footprints in the sand. Absolutely beautiful. But the one thing that I think that people aren't going to really realize the in-depth nature of is that bus. And now (laughs) that bus was absolutely incredible to me, just from a visual aspect as well as from a creative aspect. I mean, it's almost a West Coast Customs style bus where you can sit in it and actually smoke it out with foggers. What's that, your bus, your personal bus? It was my personal bus in Minnesota. And uh, again, it wasn't using it as much as I thought I would up there. So when we thought of the second store, I thought it was perfect. I had it all redone inside, so just beautiful inside. Even the outside was great, but we wanted, of course, converted into a uh, LA bus. So we dropped it, of course, way down low and put the new tires and the fancy paint job on it. It really does look like an LA type themed one, though. We thought it came out great. Oh, it, it looks absolutely wonderful. But when people see it, they're going to like, oh, that's a that's a cool looking bus that they got specifically for the store. They don't, they're not going to realize that's your bus, your personal <laughs> bus, my personal uh, bus. And that type of that type of touch into the store really shines through. And and I got to ask one thing because I did see a pendant hanging from the rearview mirror that had Planet Thirteen. It looked like a custom blown glass pendant. Was that your pendant? That was my pendant. Uh, we had a, a gentleman when we first were opening the store with our grower Chris Wren that created those three of those: one for me and Chris, and one for Bob, my partner. That uh, he did for us personally, and it stayed with the bus up in Minnesota. We brought it all the way down. It stayed with it down there also. He was a blower of the glass and decided to do something custom for us. This is a well, it's, only, it's three, just, only three made. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I, I really think you guys should be labeling that at the store because that type of personalization is, again, almost unheard of in this industry. Everything is kind of just a, hey, we're just going to do it for the consumer. We'll just go buy one or rent one or whatever, have it customized and thrown in there. That's your personal bus, and that really shows the heart and the soul of Planet 13. Right. And if we have time, I have kind of a neat story where Bob and I are business guys and good at business, but I haven't smoked, used my own product. Last time I smoked it was in, Min- in uh, the Air Force uh, uh, when I was uh, loading bombs for four years at Nellis Air Force Base. <laughs> we weren't bright children back then. So we thought, well, we've got to get a grower. We don't know anything about this. And so we interviewed uh, six or seven guys, you know, and they'd come in with their head hugged down kind of low and go, yeah, hey, dude, man, I agree some good shit, man. I go, Oh, you're so stoned. I can't, you can't even look me in the eye. Thinking if we can't do any better than this, we got to rethink this thing because we do not, don't know nothing about drawing. And so uh, my son-in-law, who runs a big paving crew now for 25 years, asphalt, tough job, says, I got a guy that works with me, wants to open grow for you. I said, uh, Bob, no offense, but a lot of you guys are a little bit tougher. It's a hard job. They're felons or ex-cons usually. I don't think it'll work. He said, okay. Week later, he says, hey, 
He's still emailing me. Do you, you want to meet with him? I said, I'll get back to you. Thinking he'd quit asking me. A week later, he's emailing, texting me, just meet with him, get him off my back. Okay. So I said, come up and come up to the house. Here comes this young, tall man up to the house, close cut hair, a suit on, briefcase. I go, who are you? He said, I'm Bob Fred. You're telling me that you work on the paving crew with my son-in-law. No, no. He says, I work in the laboratory. We sell them in the asphalt. I do all the testing. Well, first of all, you think you could have told me that, right? <laughs> and we didn't even know what to ask. And he says, you want to see my wares? And I go, yeah, let me see your wares. I have no idea what he's talking about. He opens up a jar and filled the house. I go, what is it? He said, it's named Chloe. I've been working on this 10 years. It's a flower. And I've been invited to the World Cup in Amsterdam, invitation only. I'm going to take first place. Ah, no idea what he's talking about. So we didn't even know what to ask him. We said, tell us what you know about growing. Like we knew everything, right? After two hours, we looked at each other and Bob and I said, I think we found our guy. <laughs> so he literally is a third leg of our stool. We gave him each 3% of the company immediately. And he's he just a little savant. By the way, he won first place in the world in 2015 for flower. It, so, I mean, amazing. Well, and look at looking at what you guys do. I mean, you guys do the best that you can in everything that you do. So that doesn't surprise me that you would you would see that guy and say, "Hey, we have to lock him down no matter what." You know, but to and- find him, the luck of finding him when I when I tried to get rid of him for two times, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, and you're right. You know, when you're talking about the early legacy days, there are there were a lot of people that, you know, not necessarily the most savant as far as businessmen or or scientists, as that matter go. And the industry of cannabis has moved so far now to where, you know, concentrates back in your early Air Force days, probably dealing with a lot of hash. Nowadays, you have high grade sauces. It's incredible seeing the industry evolve. When you first got into this business, did you imagine that this would be kind of where the industry goes? No, no, no. I think we went with blinders on. We just thought, uh, again, last of the sins going public or going legal. And uh, we thought we want to be involved in it. So it's business guys. I think it helped us business-wise deciding what to do, make the right decisions and so on. Because a lot of people have no expertise like that. And you got to use your gut on a lot of these things. But just the luck of finding Chris and Bob and I being good friends and uh, doing their thinking alike all the time. I don't think we ever disagreed on anything. It's just if he has a little bit different thought, I'll go along with it. He did the same with me. So we have a great rapport, very good luck finding Chris. He literally is the third leg of our stool. I don't think we'd be where we are even without him, to be honest with you. And he wouldn't be where he was with us. But with his business sense, I got to tell you, he's one of the doubters for the superstar. He said, guys, this is not going to work. This is not guys that watch cannabis want to go into a store like this. They just want to get their cannabis and leave and have a good time. Yeah, we said, Chris, we think we know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Let's go together and we're going to keep moving forward. And he now admits 100 times over. He lost on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he definitely did. You guys are absolutely crushing it. And I do want to touch on something that is kind of rare for retailers uh, to do on the scale that you've done it. Uh, in your Santa Ana location, you did have uh, almost shopping shops or these pop-up portions uh, on your on your storefront for Stizzy and for also Select. When you were going for this type of design and you decided that you wanted to highlight these two brands, what was the decision-making behind that first? And then secondly, is that going to rotate or are those permanent fixtures as part of your retail experience? Well, those permanent fixtures, first of all, as long as they continue to want to pay to be in there. So what we do in Las Vegas, and we hope we can duplicate most of it in Los Angeles, or Santa Ana, I'm sorry, is that uh, we had so many vendors that want to be on our shelf stores, 
to display. We couldn't fit them all on. So we thought we got to figure out who we're going to keep. So we started, came up with the idea, we're going to charge shelf space. So everyone in our store gets charged shelf space, including select with the store in the store in here in Las Vegas. The same thing is happening in Santa Ana. They all pay for the store in the store. In Las Vegas, it generates over $3 million a year just for shelf space in the Planet 13 store. <laughs> so I mean, that's very, very profitable. But, we, you know, you got to look at every little corner on and get a new profit. And, and uh, Well, sure, but profitability is part of it, right? So it's good to make money on it, but it's also good to have quality brands. And so yeah, when you're yeah. deciding which brands that you want to actually have in the store, of course, you can charge sell, uh, shelf space in order to do that, but you still have to have Q&A. And so when you guys are figuring out who you want to go with at the end of the day, can you kind of walk me through what that R&D process is like as far as, you know, I want this person to represent my brand in my retail store? We use uh, our, our corporate buyer, Brandon Garcia, an awful lot for that, and Chris Wren, since Bob and I don't consume. And whenever we bring any product on, we're going to evaluate not, what, not only what is popular for the customer, but what they think is good. We have a, over here, we have groups of 10 that will give these supplies to that they're going to give us for samples. They then have to actually fill out reports after they tried it, why they like it, whether or not we should keep it, how popular it'll be before we decide to bring it in the store. So it's got to be one that meets that criteria first before we even offer to them that they could be involved or bid on being a, a store within a store. Well, and, and I remember originally you guys, you know, kind of having mentioned that you guys wanted to have a coast to coast presence, right? From Boston to California, you guys wanted to be in every available state as long as it made sense from an experiential standpoint. I believe you guys said you want to be record holders in every state you entered into. When you're looking at California, obvious choice, largest adult use market in the world. But when you're expanding beyond the golden state, is Massachusetts on the table? Is New York on the table? Where are you looking at to expand next? Right now, Massachusetts, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, great one for it because it's in our backyard. And they got four and a half million people. They'll double to nine million in 10 years. We're looking at Detroit. We're looking at Chicago. Those are the ones right now that we're, uh, and we've reached out and uh, we're uh, exploring a lot of possibilities over there. We've been traveling for about 45 days coast to coast. So we're excited about the future news that'll be coming out. And uh, what do we say? Watch us grow. So luckily <laughs> with 150 million in the bank and zero debt, not many companies can say that, especially the zero debt. So we spend the money as if it's out of our pocket, even those investors money. That's kind of our mentality from being entrepreneurs. And I think with that success and what we've been doing, it, uh, it really shows right now. Well, in the pandemic, uh, you know, obviously it slowed down your, your expansion plan slightly. Are you expecting to make a future announcement for a future expansion possibly in 2022 or 2023? Because I know originally you guys wanted to do year-to-year -year launches. Is that still the goal? Our goal is to have an announcement for at least one before the end of this year. Oh, nice. And hopefully it'll be open in 2022. I definitely look forward to it. Um, being somebody that also travels to Amsterdam every single year for, for a New Year's, I know that you had mentioned that your main grower uh, won the competition over there, the World Cup. Is there a possibility for a future international expansion for Planet 13 retail once other countries start coming online? I definitely could be. We've gotten requests from a, some clubs in, uh, in France, in South America, in Australia, but I don't think they've really come to fruition yet. They're interested in wanting to know if we would do a franchise or would do this or that. We don't like franchises. I can't control it. 
and I get one bad one, it, it, to me, it just brings down the whole Planet 13 model. What you will see as we look at buying other MSOs, we're going to buy another MSO in another state because they have a possibility of well, at least one superstore in that, in that area, along with it usually comes some other smaller neighborhood stores. That's still fine with us. It'll be called whatever it is, whatever name they built up, but then a tagline underneath will be Planet 13 neighborhood store that will still help feed the superstore. Been talking with Larry Scheffler, again, co-founder and co-CEO for Planet 13, just entering into the Santa Ana, Southern California market with their Planet 13 Orange County. Larry, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Not a problem. Happy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.